Good morning, good afternoon to everyone wherever you are in the world. I am currently in Slovenia, which is not my uh, common location, but I've been interrailing. I wanted to try a bit of a sustainable travel option this summer. So yeah, I'm in Slovenia. It's my favorite country in the world. It's so green. And I've just heard that it's one of the countries that has the most green per capita, the most amount of forest uh, per capita. So that's really interesting. Um, however, today we're not going to be talking about forests. We're going to be talking about something very, very different. We actually have a wonderful guest with us today. Her name is Mar Soriano Marfa. Her pronouns are she, her, and she is a lawyer from Barcelona. She studied law and global governance and specialized in migration, a field that she continues to work in today. She has also contributed her knowledge and great practice in other social justice movements, such as homelessness and climate refugee studies. And she currently works with an organization called Solidary Wheels, which we will talk about more um, into the interview. Anyway, I'm really happy to introduce her to you. Hello, Mar, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> so first of all, I wanted to mention something that I've come across while I was preparing this interview and I, while I was kind of uh, talking it through with other people, they said, oh, you're going to talk about migration in a very different context than we expect, than the mainstream media expects us to talk about, really, which is really far away from the current crisis between Ukraine and, um, and Russia, well, actually the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We're going to be talking about migration in from the global south into the global north, especially in Spain and in the EU. So yeah, we're taking a bit of a different narrative. Um, why, why is that so important in your opinion that we go beyond the Ukrainian crisis, which is of course really important and a lot of human rights abuses are being violated, but we also talk about the stuff that's happening other places, which the media doesn't pick up on. Well, uh, it is important because uh, actually as, as you are introducing, um, the, the media decides a little bit what we know um, about what's going on in the world, not only um, about migration, but about many other uh, things going on in, in the globe, no? So uh, I think it's important that we speak about other things that we uh, inform about selves, um, about what's going on in different places in the world, because the fact that you don't see it in the in the media doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So it is very important that we speak about it, that we also put the focus on, especially now you introduced the, the Ukrainian situation, and it is important that we put the focus on why um, some people are treated or are being treated differently uh, in some places, no? Or, why is it why is this happening no and we realize the hypocrisy that that we see especially uh, when we speak about uh migration loss for example that we're gonna speak a little bit more about today yes i'm really excited to have this conversation with you um and actually let's talk to people about where you actually specifically work in in the planet <laughs> Well, um, I started some months ago, I started working as um, legal, well, doing a legal assessment uh, for migrants and uh, asylum seekers in Melilla. Melilla is a, a city uh, that belongs to, to Spain and it's located in uh, the north of Morocco. So, um, let's say we have like this little city that is all covered with a very big fence that separates the what would be the Spanish territory and the Moroccan territory. So through this uh, fence, you know, this like um, architecture, um, aggressive architecture thought against uh, migration uh, is this city located, no? So it's a kind of a very, specific geographical um, area, no? And uh, Solidarity Wheels is an organization I work for. Uh, we have a group of, of five, yeah, four or five people uh, in the, here in Melilla um, to work with, with uh, migrants that happen to most of them be forced to live in the street here in, in Melilla. 
Yeah, and these migrants that you work with are actually um, mostly from the African continent, right? What's the legal, sorry, what's the migration routes that these people are taking when they end up in Melilla? Yeah, I think it's important that we differentiate between uh, the migrants that come for from that come to Melilla from third uh, countries, so no, not Morocco, so other countries mainly. Let's say it's uh, Sudan, uh, Burkina Faso, Mali, Chad, uh, between many others. Um, so we have to differentiate because in uh, Melilla, if uh, migrants that arrive from Morocco, people from Morocco, they are forced to be to live in the street. Um, otherwise, when we speak about migrants that come from these third countries, uh, they there is like this center called SETI. Uh, it's like a temporary center for migrants. Um, they stay in, in that place. So they make this differentiation because um, people that come from Morocco, they are not considered, um, let's say, asylum seekers or people that could uh, be granted this uh, refugee protection. And in the other hand, the people that go to these centers that come from third countries, they are or could be considered um, asylum seekers. If you want, after I can just say a little bit the definition of these uh, terms, um, just to not uh, get confused, because sometimes it is quite confusing. Um, and media uses it very not correctly. <laughs> so yeah, so basically I think it's important to make this differentiation. We, uh, the group of Solidarity Wheels, we work mainly with uh, the Moroccan uh, people that arrive here in Melilla because we work in, in with the kids, well, kids, young people that are in the street. So we work mainly, mainly with them, but we are also um, in, in Melilla trying to um, monitor the violations of human rights. So uh, normally when there is an attempt of jumping the fence, uh, there are the forces from Morocco and uh, from Spain, they commit many vulnerations of human rights. So we are also here trying to, um, let's say like um, explain no, it or like as we were saying not try to put the focus on what's going on here no because uh, Melilla is a part of Spain and uh, the law has to be applied also here the and the protection of human rights um, so yes I'm sorry I spoke about so many things do you want me to explain just very fast what's a migrant and asylum seeker and a refugee I think it's very important to to clarify these uh, these three terms. Yes. So first, the asylum seeker is a person that is looking to become a refugee. So every uh, refugee has been before an asylum seeker, but not every asylum seeker will become a refugee, will be granted the, this specific protection. The ref refugees, we speak about refugees, those people that have a well-founded reason uh, of um, that they fear that they have to leave their countries of origin because they fear because of their race, religion, uh, gender, political opinion, uh, etc. And then um, a migrant, uh, we would say normally they are called economic migrants. So it's people that leave their countries of origin because of other reasons, mainly e economical. We also have now another um, kind of refugees that I'm sure you have uh, heard about that it's climate refugees because of this uh, climate change effects um, on different parts of the planet, for example, very there's a very clear case uh, in uh, in Bangladesh that many people have been forced to flee their countries because of the effects of uh, climate change. So this would be a little bit uh, the the different uh, um, yeah terms. 
it's very important to say that asylum seekers, they have in terms of uh, protection, the same rights as a refugee. So they cannot be uh, forced to return to their countries of origin. Uh, they are granted uh, health, education, and well, different resources to protect their, their rights. So uh, I'd like to say this, it's, it's very important because when we speak about asylum seekers, for example, from Ukraine, or from Tat or from Morocco, it doesn't matter where, where you come from. When you are an asylum seeker, your rights should be protected in an e equal way, no? And so that's this hypocrisy of saying, oh, but they're, no, like, uh, they're not the same. No, yes, legally, they have the same, um, like, position. I don't know if that's the correct term. So, yeah, yeah. that's really interesting because it's true, especially in the UK where I used to live. Um, I would see a lot of media outlets speaking badly of asylum seekers. It is true that it is uh, one of those labels that is being criminalized more and more. So I think the fact that you define it and that there is a clear definition for what each of these things are, which applies to every country in the world, is really enlightening and can really help us combat a lot of this stigma. And precisely this asylum seeker is like you're called asylum seeker while your let's say case is being um decided so while you wait to see if uh, you're granted uh, refugee protection no so while you wait you have exactly the same rights as any other asylum seeker or refugee so this is very important because in terms of the law and um, you have exactly the same, the same rights. So this is, this is very important because we're seeing a lot of discrimination in this, in this sense. Mm -hmm. that, that's really interesting. And uh, of course, that also applies to many other contexts um, because Melilla is Spain, therefore it's also the European Union. Um, and what really shocked me that you mentioned is that Moroccans cannot get refugee status or it's really hard for them to get their asylum application approved. Why is that? Because it's literally the neighboring country. It's the country where um, they would probably have most access to flee to um, if they have, if they suffer any discrimination in their country of origin, say, for example, because they are queer, they are LGBTQ+, which is uh, an identity that's criminalized in Morocco in many instances. So why would Spain or Melilla in this case not recognize the right of Moroccans to seek asylum? Yeah, well, this is also very important that you say because, well, um, the country of Morocco is considered a safe country. So uh, people that come from there, it, there's like this um, assumption that because they come from a safe country, uh, they are not going to be granted this protection. But as you very well uh, pointed, there is like many cases of, uh, yeah, like queer people or uh, women that have suffered gender violence or uh, political um, people that are prosecuted because of their political opinions that could be considered um, re refugees, actually. So what we try also to do is to make sure that when the people go to these offices to, to ask for asylum, they have all the information and that their rights are um, protected and uh, guaranteed, no? So also it's, it's important to understand the situation in Melilla because many Moroccans have, when, when the frontier was open be, between Spain and, Mor and Morocco before the COVID, um, the frontier was, uh, was open. So people from Nador, the, the region neighboring uh, Melilla, 
the people from Nador could enter Melilla without problem to work, for business or visiting the family, etc. But when the COVID uh, started, the frontier was closed and still remains closed to the day. It's only open for people with uh, the legal residence, which, which is just a few European and a few uh, locals. So um, the, the thing is that um, many people have remained uh, like locked here in Melilla. And they found uh, asking for asylum as the only way out um, because Melilla and also Ceuta, this other city also in Morocco that uh, uh, is owned by, by Spain, it, they, have, they are like an exception to the Schengen space. So people cannot freely move to the rest of the territory in Spain, like they cannot, get a flight or a ferry from, from these two cities to, to Spain without having a legal uh, residency in Spain, which has uh, basically created two big uh, prisons in, in this city for people that cannot, or that don't have like uh, the resources to um, have one of these residences. And so, because it's so difficult to, to um, get uh, a residence here in Melilla because they're, they put, uh, it's, uh, well, basically it's very difficult in general for anyone in, in, in the territory because they make it very difficult for people to come here to, uh, yeah, get the, their documents, no, here in Spain. So, because it's so difficult, many people decided to apply for asylum so that they could uh, move to the peninsula, the rest of the of the territory in Spain, and this has done that many applications have been have been posted of of, of asylum seekers, and uh, we found ourselves trying to or see we see how these um, offices where people ask for asylum, they are treating very differently people coming from different um, countries of, of origin. No? And uh, in this last year, we've seen this um, more than, than ever. No? And clearly between people coming from third countries and people coming from Morocco. Sorry. Um, so yes, I would say, it's also important to understand this specific situation going on in, in Ceuta and in Melilla. And I said a lot of things, but not, I don't know if what you No, asking. it's amazing because I've got a lot of questions that you're already covering. So that, that's amazing. It's less work for me and more time that our listeners are listening to you instead of me. So that's amazing. <laughs> um, still, this is a podcast about children's rights. Uh, we talk about social justice, we talk, we talk about climate justice, we talk about a lot of things, but we always like to bring it back to the, the rights of children and the rights of people on the move, in this case, who are young, under 18, or just youths. And um, I know that you work with them mostly, you work with people who are very young or minors, actually. Yeah. So could you just give us an outlook of how it is to be a migrant who's under 18 years old um, in, in Melilla, in this Spanish European city in the north of Morocco. Of course. Yeah, the, the, it, it's very important because the reality is, I'm gonna speak mostly about uh, migrants from Morocco because it's, as I said at the beginning, we in Solidarity Wheels, we work mainly uh, with the people that, the, well, finds them find themselves forced to live in the street. So uh, mainly it's Moroccans, because then, as I said, people from other third countries, as Chad, Sudan, Sudan, Sud, um, they stay in this center, the, the city. So in the street, the, the main group of people that we find, as you said, is young uh, people and even kids, minors. Um, they come uh, normally from Morocco, well, from Nador to Melilla, swimming. I think it's also important to to point that out because normally people from third countries, so not from Morocco, they 
tend to, to cross jumping the fence in big uh, groups. But uh, in the case of uh, Moroccan kids and, and, and uh, young people, they cross the border swimming, also putting themselves in danger because they, the, the way to, to arrive, it's a seven hour swim, which uh, in many cases, if you're not prepared, could lead to, to, to even uh, death, no? So it's uh, quite dangerous even to get to the place where they start this um, trying to cross. Uh, they, there is a lot of, of uh, surveillance and there is like a lot of control over that area. So, so it's quite difficult starting, starting there. There is also a lot of uh, drug consumption between these young uh, kids that also find themselves in this uh, situation. No? So when they arrive here in Melilla, they are forced to live in the street. We see normally kids from, let's say, 17 years old until 25 years old, more or less. But there are some cases uh, recently we've seen of kids of uh, 12 to 15 years old. And um, in these cases, uh, when they are minors, the, the city of Melilla has the, the obligation of protecting them because somehow in legal terms, um, it's how's this word tutorship? I'm not sure. Tutela? Tutorship? Yeah, they have to tutor them or they to have to tutor them. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> legally, yeah. Yes, exactly. So they have the obligation to tutor them and to protect their rights to make sure that they uh, have their needs covered and not only the basic needs but also the documentation so they have the the right if they arrive here as um minors that uh, come alone without their tutors or their parents so uh they have this obligation reality is when the kids arrive here to melilla that many of them they don't want uh, to go to the center because of the abuse they suffer from other kids in the center or because of the abuse they suffer from uh, uh, people working in the center or because they know that uh, even if they stay in the center, they will have many difficulties to, to get their documents or because they don't want to stay in Melilla they prefer to go to a center in the, the peninsula the, 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 in, in Spain, in, in different cities of Spain, but not in Melilla because they know that in those places they will have more options. And still because their objective is to get to, uh, to Spain and work for, to earn money for their families, no? So, so we find that the, many of these kids uh, don't want to go to the center or where, when they are in the center, they, they find themselves without options, no? Also a recent study showed that Melilla and also said there are two cities that have um, so little resources to integrate, uh, migrants uh, into the uh, the into the society into the 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 city of Melilla so they are found themselves without many options no so uh, we try in um, with the team that we are working in different spaces that we where we encounter these these kids we try to give them also their the information so that they know their rights um that so that they know that they have the right to uh, have a, a document to to have a place to stay to to receive uh education to receive medical care so we try to inform but we also see that many cases of kids that because of this journey and because finding themselves uh, living in the street they start consuming uh, drugs or like they are already um, under well ad addictions that uh, make it even more difficult uh, for them to like go through this process also and very important I think it's that many of them 
uh, try to do this this practice called uh, risky we call it that it's basically these kids try to um uh, sneak themselves in for example a big truck or inside the the boat that goes to the mainland in spain uh in order to go to a center in the peninsula so we find or we see that there is not a real um, guarantee for for their rights here here in Spain. Um, and well, we're working here with different organizations to also uh, denounce the situation of the kids uh, living in the street. Not only kids, but of course the others that enter when they are already 18 and they don't have the right to access these documents, but they find themselves also living in the street in very uh, sometimes vulnerable situations. And as I said, with drug consumption, um, many of them, uh, well, because of the, the consequences of living in the street, no? So. Um, and what's really shocking is that um, the fact that they live in the street, that means that they actually feel safer there than in the spaces that the Spanish administration and the Spanish government provides for them. So basically, they would rather go through homelessness and all the negative consequences that stem from that, as well as drug use. Like they would rather have that than go to one of those um, centers, which I think is very telling of how the circumstances are and how little resources or interest there is in this we population. Also very little, like when the kids are here in the center, as I said, um, they their main objective is to get to the mainland because they know that they will have more options there to work to provide for their families but uh when they arrive here they are forced to stay here and there are no options to uh go to other centers in the mainland because there is no like if, if they are here they have to stay here so there is also it's very difficult for them to change the center uh, in which they arrive in the first place. So we see that um, it's not meant to put the the right the rights of the minors in the center. No, so it's more to do it in a way that um, it's easier. No, and uh, it, it doesn't give us many problems. So so yeah, we 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 see this this situation. We are now specifically working with. Well, two kids that are in the street and are are suffering um, uh, addictions to to different uh, substances, and we're trying to um, explain to the city that they really need to be um, like sent to another center in the mainland because here they don't have the medical um, attention that they require no because of this uh, situation with the, with the drug consumption yeah and just as a recap for those who don't really know about the spanish context that we're talking about um, it's a very conflictive um, migration route it's one of the most deadly of the whole globe um, as a matter of fact i've got some numbers written down here so um yeah just so you have an overview there was 978 victims in the uh, routes to access uh, in migration in Spain only during the first semester of 2022 this year. Almost 1,000 people died. Um, and there is different routes. So the, the route in Melilla, the one we're talking about, is not the deadliest one. But there's um, reports by an organization called Walking Borders that indicates that only in one of those Spanish routes, which is the uh, Western one, that go the one that goes through the Canary Islands from West Africa, um, has five deaths every single day, five deaths of people every single day, um, which is absolutely, absolutely shocking. And um, as you said, there's different entry points to Melilla. There's the sea uh, where people, like we don't even have numbers, right? Of the ones who die because they just embark from Meli, uh, from Morocco. They don't tell anyone that they're doing this journey, sometimes not even their families because they don't want them to worry. 
exactly. and they never hear back from them again. And this is a situation that is specific to Spain, but also many other places in the European Union. Um, because as we know, or as most of us know, the European Union also is unified when it comes to their borders. Um, they have an agency that kind of polices those European borders um, to kind of make a fortress of the continent. And that agency is called Frontex. And there's several campaigns right now trying to uh, dismantle this um, organization because it's been found to violate many human rights um, in their operations. And I was just wondering, Mar, if you could tell us about the kind of commonalities between what happens in Melilla and other, um, not only other places that are border bordering with third countries in Spain, but also in the European Union in general. Yeah, of course, of course. The, um, the last episodes we saw passed one month ago today, the 24th of, of June, that uh, at least 40 people uh, died because of uh, the the acts of of the authorities that well were also based on um, this uh, relationship between um, Spain and Morocco trying to tackle um, migration and everything in a bigger scale inside of the European Union and we we clearly saw. Um, the functioning of the European Union in, in frontiers, as we have seen, for example, in Turkey, no? clearly that the funds of the European Union have gone to try and stop migration before arriving to, to Europe. No? And uh, the frontier here in Melilla is another example of the frontier between Europe and uh, Africa. No. So uh, we, cre we clearly see this externalization of the secur security in, in, the, in the control, in the border control of migration. No? So we saw that um, somehow different, and now we're having more and more information about what happened that day. Uh, although there hasn't been yet one month after uh, an investigation to clarify what happened, we have receiving we have been receiving information from other organizations, as the one you recently met, just mentioned of walking borders, but other organizations that work there in Morocco that are uh, making a really good work trying to clarify what happened, uh, how were those 40, at least 40 people uh, killed, no, and, and what happened. And we see that before those days uh, when the relationships between Spain and Morocco got a little bit better uh, and they had uh, different meetings and uh, political agreements also in relation with uh, migration, we saw, and there are, well, there there is uh, information news about it that the Moroccan um, gendarmerie, the Moroccan forces authorities, were attacking more and more and more and pressuring more and more the people living in this mountain in, in Nador, that these people from third countries that flee their countries of origin, many of them for take years for them to get to, to Morocco. So um, as I was saying, uh, basically this externalization of the frontiers, it's, it's a pattern that repeats systematically. It's not a thing, a special thing of Melilla. It's not a special thing of Celta, uh, of uh, the situation in Turkey, of the Balkan, for example, it happens also in the Balkan route. And when you see all these uh, borders and the kind of uh, protection, ex this externalization, this security um, that is being, um, done by the European Union, you see a pattern. You see that uh, they do this in a constant, systematic way. 
um, in this in in the specific case of Melilla and the specific uh, situation of the past 24th of June that was especially uh, sp um, terrible and uh, and especially hard and uh, brutal violation of of human rights. Uh, when the life of at least 40 people was, was taken. No? We saw how the Moroccan authority, authorities, since the relationships between Spain and Morocco got a little bit better, um, they started putting more, more and more pressure towards this area, this mountain where the people is forced to live in, in Nador. And they applied a lot of pressure and when the people, because of this pressure that they were receiving, uh, they were um, setting on fire their constructions, their 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 the places where they where they lived, uh, they were forcing people uh, into these buses to different areas of the country. They were um, well being aggressive towards the people, so they forced. Uh, a group of people towards the 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 fence to to go to to Melilla and uh, well these different uh, investigations that are trying to put a little bit of of light on on what happened show that um, the Moroccan authorities had this plan coordinated with the Spanish authorities and they let the people arrive to the frontier and whilst they they got into the, the the closest part of the frontier and started uh jumping to to cross it's when they started attacking with uh gas uh with um well um i don't know how it's called well gas uh, lacrimogeno tear gas yeah tear gas uh that was especially um dangerous and that put especially on risk the lives of the people because they were trying to jump. So it was, they had at the beginning when they were going into the fence, they had maybe some, um, for example, sticks or rocks in order to protect themselves from the, from the attacks of the authorities. But when they started jumping, they left everything that they had to protect themselves because they, they were trying to jump in that moment. So it was in that moment of vulnerability that they um, attacked them. Uh, um, do, well, having these especially brutal uh, acts uh, from not only the Moroccan authorities, but also the Spanish authorities, because there have been many videos released that show how um, the brutality has been from, from both sides of the fence, no? And basically we see that all of this happens, no? In this moment in which there are many, um, um, let's like meetings between Spain and Morocco that uh, Spain is giving money to Morocco to protect this border from, um, well, in the words of our president, from mafias that are coming here, you know, uh, when in fact it's just people that are seeking uh, refuge and that they try to seek refuge in Morocco, but this that was not granted. So they have to come to, to Spain to, well, to, for to them, survive. for their lives to be protected. Yes, for their, for their lives, basically. Um, so we see, uh, we saw that they, um, that, tragic uh, act as a perfect example of how this externalization of, of frontiers, how these um, politics uh, relating on, uh, related to migration uh, have the impact they have in the lives of the people, no? And yeah, we're seeing this today. We sent to the, to the president of, of our of Spain and to different politicians. We sent them a letter uh, after one month of what happened. We still don't have uh, 
a reparation for the victims. We still don't have uh, information of what happened. We still don't know. There was a list uh, released uh, some days ago of more than 30 people that have been have that are disappeared. That we don't even know where they are. Their families don't know where they are. So we we ask uh, the government for an answer, and uh, we ask them to make uh, sure not only themselves but also the neighbor Morocco uh, protects their the rights of the of the people. No, mm -hmm. and. We were speaking about externalization and I ended up with uh, many other things. No, but it is very shocking because basically what you're explaining with all of this is that Spain and Morocco are having international relations, whether those are good or bad, that has a direct impact on people who are from Morocco and from third countries who have nothing to do with the relations of their governments, because actually they're just barely trying to survive and escape whatever conflict they have at home. And then they are the only ones who suffer the consequences and they are being used, just civilians, normal civilians, families, individuals who are escaping war and, and destruction. They are being used as pieces of a game. Um, and yeah, that, that's just really shocking. And the craziest to me is that all of this is being done with uh, public taxpayers' money, not only from Spain, so the Spanish listeners know that their money is going towards these kind of acts, but also with European money, because the fence in Melilla, which, by the way, has been named one of the most unequal fences of the world, is funded with not only Spanish money, but a big, large chunk of European money. Um, and so is this externalization of borders and all the violence that was carried out by Morocco and um, by other member states um, bordering Europe who do the dirty work for, for the European countries. And not only the externalization, but also the security like securitization that we see every day like here we have the fence like just some like, little meters away from our houses no and we we see the fence every day and we see how they are uh making this big fortification this big fence every time bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger no and uh, instead of looking for more ways that uh, people can legally move and uh, be protected, no, instead of that, we see bigger and bigger fences and mm -hmm. bigger walls, no, and that try to stop uh, movement. this movement, this, mm -hmm. this migration from, from happening. And another thing that scares us a lot here is that for the first time in the last um, meeting of the NATO that was held here in, in, in Madrid, uh, they started speaking about um, this movement, this migration in terms of security. So this externalization, securitization of, of the borders of frontiers of these fences are in this direction of tackling migration as an issue of security, not as an issue of human rights. So this is very scary, not only in Melilla, but in, as we were saying, in Ceuta, in the Canary Islands, in the Balkan route, um, in uh, Turkey, people coming from Syria and different places. Now we see that if we do not tackle as they shown that they can do, for example, with the specific case of Ukraine, that they can tackle this movement as a thing of human rights and not a problem of security. And as they showed they can do it, um, we would appreciate if they do it everywhere and not with certain specific group of people because of their race or because we feel or we empathize more, no? And we apply the law for everyone equally, no? Mm -hmm. It's really shocking because uh, to the Spanish government, Melilla is way closer than um, Ukraine, but somehow they seem to be able to empathize with people who are very far away from them and culturally very different from them um, than Moroccans who are just round, right around the corner from Spain. Um, and that most certainly has to do with, their, uh, with the Islamophobia that is just increasing and almost settled into the culture in Spain, to be honest, um, and the racism of all colonial uh, white supremacist nations that are built on the wealth 
um, of these countries that now are refusing the right to um, to, to, to welcome. I prayed. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I would like to ask you, how can a regular citizen, wherever they are in the world, support people on the move around them? Uh, of course, you're in Spain, so whatever guidance you have relevant to that, please uh, go ahead. But also, this is a global issue. Migration is increasing everywhere, and it's also set to increase. And with that, human rights abuses of um, basically colonial global north countries that don't um, accept people who are not white into their borders. So how can we make a difference as individuals who are listening to this and feel really angry about what happens there but is replicated elsewhere? Yeah. Well, uh, I think one of the first and I think most important things we can do is to tackle the hypocrisy that we clearly see on mainstream media uh, told by politicians that when we speak about, we're speaking about Ukrainians, but we can have many other examples. We're speaking about people that need protection. And when we're speaking about people from Sudan, we're speaking about mafias and people that are violent, no? So I would say, first of all, to tackle this hypocrisy, to be informed, to read um, newspapers that really try to tell you what's going on. Uh, well, podcasts like this one no like uh, that try to look uh, a little bit more in depth of on what's happening what's going on uh, around the world not only in specific areas where the the media is focused but all around the world to understand also uh, the conflicts that are going on in different uh, countries no for example we posted recently on on our social media in solidary wheels information about what's going on on chat on south sudan sudan because these are realities we don't even know about and many times looks like we don't even care about. So I would say first things first, uh, like get information, be informed about what's really going on and put the focus also uh, on this um, uh, anti-racist uh, movements, influencers that try to uh, give us more information about what's going on uh, in the world and about and that put the focus on uh, denouncing the racism that um, all these migration uh, policies and these um, relations between between countries to to settle these these policies have intrin this intrinsic racism. So yeah, I would say information uh give uh, visibility and and get informed from people that really understand um what's going on and then yeah i would say follow also on social media these organizations that are working on the 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 territories where these things are happening no uh because you will receive many information about the day-to-day -day of many people that uh, are living, as we were saying, you know, these kids that are living in the street and also find different ways to, to denounce us. We did, for example, when the past month, the 24th of June, when this um, brutal uh, situation happened, uh, we did this document uh, that people could like sign and be a part of and also go to the streets when there are demonstrations and i think i think that's it and of course if you want to participate um, as a volunteer in solidarity wheels we work uh, also in groups online so you're always welcomed to to participate we work mainly in spanish but if there's someone that has a particular specific skill that uh, you want to help with, it's always, always welcomed. And work together, speak about it, put it in the table. Let's not forget that this is still happening. Mm -hmm. And definitely the work that Solidarity Wheels is really, really important because it sheds light on what's happening in this very particular place, Melilla, that we're talking about today, which is really, really far away from the mainstream. Actually, a lot of Spanish people don't even know where it is on the map. So let alone know what happens uh, with the human rights of people who enter this town. 
Um, however, all of our money, all of us who are Europeans, uh, is going straight to that place. So the least that we should do is get informed. But in terms of Solidarity Wheels, for those who want to support the organization and the amazing work that you do, um, but that can't give their work uh, or skills or time, how? what other ways is there to support uh, the organization? Well, um, many ways. You can uh, follow us on our social media. Uh, we have a very active social media. We try to always, as we were saying, no, give the information not only of uh, what's going on on Melilla, but also in in different situations, no. And we also try to give visibility to other um, organizations or people that try to to denounce this situation. We also have. Um, in our webpage, a place to to give economic donations um, that are also quite important because we do not receive uh, public uh, funds, and uh, we try to uh, well fund this project uh, with private donations so that we are uh, in an independent organization that can denounce the uh, vulnerations of human rights that are committed by the government actually no and uh, that we are free to denounce this uh without any limitation no uh so yes i think follow us in social media we have this this possibility of donations through teaming and different ways so i think that would be it <laughs> that's amazing well i want to thank you for having been uh, with us this afternoon because it is afternoon where we are right now. Um, it's been really enlightening to hear all about Melilla. It's, of course, a context that I already knew a little bit about being Spanish and being uh, directly involved with the organization. But I think it has been very helpful to tell a lot of people about what's going on there, a place that's very, very often forgotten about, even by Spanish people. Um, and yeah, so that we can all have a point of reference now. We now have the knowledge so that we can go ahead and take action and uh, support the work which we all have an obligation to because um, a lot of us who are listening to this podcast obviously have access to technology and internet, which intrinsically means that we're somewhat privileged and probably located in the global north. And if we have been born into the global north with a global north passport, we have a moral obligation to seek justice and equality for those who are born with a global south passport and don't have this access to resources as we do. Um, because of our governments. So we have to call out our governments. We have to support the work of organizations like Solidar Wheels and really bring awareness about this horrible human rights abuses that are happening um, with our money, with our taxpayers' money and with our consent, because consent is given as long as no one calls out um, the wrongdoers. So I've been very happy to talk to you about all of this today. I'm extremely grateful. And any last comment you want to add? Well, first of all, I would like to thank you very much, uh, Mark, for, for inviting me, for giving us this space to, to speak about, as we've been saying all the interview, no? like to speak about what anyone speaks about, no? um, to speak about those things that the media really don't want you to know, no? not the media, the government, no one. Um, so thank you very much for giving us this this space to explain a little bit more about. Um, sorry, we spoke about many things. It's a quite of a complex. Um, there is like uh, many things going on here in Melilla, but uh, well, I'm always uh, happy to to explain a little bit more about this. And um, yeah, as we were saying follow, uh, put the focus on what's going on, uh, get informed and yeah, let's keep working on denouncing these horrible situations that are going on in our borders. And yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so, so much. Have a wonderful day and everyone go home and take action. Bye. Bye.